You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'd like to call in the spirits that support each one of us. Each person who is listening here today, I call out for your ancestors to join us, those that bring all that is good and true and beautiful in your ancestral lines into your lives. May they be with us. May they surround us, bring us the love and light of generations of people that dreamt of a future, and you are the result of that dream. So I call out to my own ancestors to be with me here today that I might do what is valuable, what is needed, that I may speak what needs to be heard in this time. I call out to the energy of the earth, our most ancient ancestor, to give thanks for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life to the face of this exquisite planet. And may we all remember today that we share this home and let us all share it in a good way. And I call out to the energy of the sky above to come down and bring us the true and essential energies of the above realms, bringing us blessing and protection bringing us generosity and the benevolence of our universe that we may be held well in our time here together. And finally, I call out to the energy of the heart in the center, that fifth element of love that binds us all, whether we want to or not. I call out to that fifth element of the heart, to the love of the heart, and that very special place within each one of us, the heart. That is the place that merges and brings together the passions of the body and the clarity of the mind that we might all find the way creatively to live our true soul's purpose. And with these energies holding us here today, I welcome you all and greet you to Why Shamanism Now. And today we're continuing with our little four-part series about the courageous heart. And this is part two. If you missed part one, which was about the love of the healer, you can certainly go on the Voice America uh, Seventh Wave Network website and download the show. All the shows are there um, for you to find. They're also um, on iTunes if that serves your technology better. So today we're talking about continuing with the courageous heart and we're talking about the wisdom of the warrior. Why? Why are we bothering? Why am I asking you to spend an hour to talk about these things? Well, I'm here in New York right now. And I'm doing sessions with clients, new clients and old clients. And frankly, I have sessions open if anybody wants to become a new client. So we're here doing sessions. And as you can imagine, with people that are living in the world with you here today, most people are coming and asking for whatever it is they need personally, but also wondering, what is going on right now? You know, what is really going on in these in these big changes that are affecting us and, and really people all around the globe? And there is a consistent theme that has been coming up that, that what's going on at this time is a collapsing of lies. And that in this collapsing of lies, there is an opportunity um, for us to recognize that we can no longer afford 
afford to avoid the true longing of our heart and soul. That we tried through denial and self-denial to create a world that seemed simpler somehow, to not have to delve into what our heart and soul is truly calling out for in the way that we live and how we live together. And that those the lies, the illusions, the fantasies, the reality that got created by avoiding the longing in our heart and soul, this deep, deep longing, um, they're collapsing. And it's exposing um, for us this this deepest motivation, which is this dream that our soul comes into our life with to live a unique soul's purpose. And this is also, this time, as things are collapsing and changing, it's an enormous opportunity for us to go forward in a new way. But to do that, we need new skills. And this is the thing that people really need to understand at this time, to seize the opportunity in this chaos. Because remember... Chaos is both danger and opportunity in the Chinese characters. So to seize the opportunity in this time of change, we're going to need new skills because the old skills will take us all right back into the lies and we'll just make new ones. And so what this whole little series of The Courageous Heart is about is the recognition. I mean, this is the guidance that I've been given by spirit as as I've asked about what's going on, is that this is the time of the courageous heart. That the thing that is the medicine, the thing that replaces, the thing that is required to step away from the denial and the self-denial of the past is the courageous heart. And what does it take to live with a courageous heart? And the important thing is that in, that I found through the shamanic work is that the courageous heart is not a simple linear concept. That the courageous heart, that the heart really does have four chambers. Now we know that biologically, but spiritually and energetically, the, four, the heart has four chambers that are united by the fifth element, which is love itself. The, the, not human romantic love, but the big love that binds everything. So that the heart has these four chambers and that each chamber aligns or resonates or is guided in a certain way by four archetypes. And this is what the shamanic teaching that that I'm offering through Last Mass Center is about. And so this is what we're talking about. And last week we talked about one chamber, which is the um, chamber where the power of that chamber is love and the archetype that relates to it is the healer. And this week, what we're talking about is the next chamber, which is the chamber that's guided by the warrior energy. And the heart power that's accessed through this chamber is the power of wisdom. And so why are we bothering? We're bothering because we, those of us who can, every single man, woman, and child who can at this time on this planet step up into the courageous heart and do whatever work they need to do to begin to live from that place of heart-inspired courage, to choose new things, to learn new skills, to act in new ways, even if everybody around you is still trying to scurry back into the old ways. Everyone who can do that needs to do that. And so this little series is hopefully to support us in that and to help you all understand that if you don't have a new skill set, 
it's not that hard to go get one that I'm teaching, lots of other shamanic practitioners are teaching, bazillions of other practitioners are teaching new skills that will allow us to function in the world in a new way. So today, we're talking about the wisdom of the warrior. And part of this whole idea of the courageous heart and the whole fundamental principle underneath these four um, uh, shows is that for us to function in the world with a courageous heart and to do what we've come here to do, regardless of what we are in the world, whether we're a healer or a leader or whatever we are in the world, that in our heart, each of these four archetypal energies needs to be balanced. They need, we need to be equally willing to step into warrior energy or leader energy or healer energy or visionary energy in any moment as the day asks us for that or even the moment asks us for that. And so the way I think about this is our relationship in the heart with each of these archetypal energies needs to be equally strong and equally mature. And that that's largely what I work on with people as students is to bring these relationships into equal strength and equal maturity. And most of us, when we wake up to this, they're just not equal. That's just the nature of how we are. And that um, this process is um, available then to everybody, but also needed in a sense. So the warrior is speaking about wisdom. And the wisdom comes from an open heart. And and this is speaking about the ability to be in the moment without a plan or a script. And that all you have is your training about how to be in the world. And that you endeavor to live from your principles, from your training. And in doing that, you have experiences and you gain wisdom. And the image that I often use for the warrior, because this idea is so distorted in our culture, is in those, um, like a Jackie Chan movie where the hero shows up and he doesn't have his weapons, he doesn't have anything other than whatever is there in the tea house or wherever the fight ensues. And his, it, it's his ability through his training to turn everything to his advantage to do whatever needs to be done in the moment. And so that's that ability to function in the moment based on your training without a plan and without a script. And... To, to connect this to your life, since most of us aren't Jackie Chan and we don't go to the tea house and fight, you know, 4,000 bad guys all at once, plans or scripts are the story you carry that says, be a good daughter, be a good husband, be a fine employee. All of these stories that we carry that program how we move through the day that keep us from tapping into that deep longing that I talked about in the beginning of the show, the deep soul longing to do what you are authentically here to do. Now, that doesn't mean you won't be a good daughter or a fine husband or an excellent chef or whatever, but the issue is when we use those scripts or those plans as a way to avoid tapping into a deeper longing, a deeper truth that resides within us. And so what we're talking about today is how the energy of the warrior allows us to open up our heart to life, to experience, to passion, and allow ourselves to learn from that experience and gain wisdom. 
even those of us that come as old souls don't necessarily have a lot of access to wisdom. You know, we really have to open that up through our life experience and through paying attention in our life experience. So, you know, along these lines, you know, we could go back, I mean, there's many books written about this, but we could go back to 1980 when Dan Millman wrote, you know, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And he's saying right there, right up front, I think it's even in the introduction of the book, that um, he says, I'd always believed that a life of quality, enjoyment, and wisdom were my human birthright and would be automatically bestowed upon me as time passed. I never suspected that I would have to learn how to live, that there were specific disciplines and ways of seeing the world I had to master before I could awaken to a simple, happy, uncomplicated life. And so this from my perspective, is why we bother to access this archetypal energy of the warrior and learn principles and disciplines for how to be in the world so that we can open our heart to life and experience things. And as with any you know, martial arts discipline or training, you're going to get kicked once in a while and punched, and it's going to hurt sometimes. But the purpose of having skills and disciplines is to transform each of those experiences into gold instead of carrying it as a script that goes forward that says, well, never do that again. And if you get, you know, enough of those little stories about, I'll never do that again, I'll never do that again, pretty soon you're not really left with much to do. And life is kind of small and boring and um, sad. And we don't really want that. And and that's not really what the the story of life is really about. And so we'll kind of close as we go into this um, break here with the words from, Dan's teacher, where he says that the world out there is a school, that life is the only real teacher. It offers many experiences, and if experiences alone brought wisdom and fulfillment, then elderly people would be happy, enlightened masters. And since we haven't had happy, enlightened masters running our country for a very long time, we know that it's not true. Experience alone is not enough. We need to learn how to experience our life and how to open our heart to it with passion and truth. Welcome back, everyone. I wanted to remind you all that we are coming live from New York. I just wanted to say that. It's true, though. And we are live, so, of course, we're open for people to call in, and the number is 866-472-5795, or to send in an email to christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So, we're talking about the warrior. And as with everything that manifests in our particular experience of the world, that those things that manifest create shadow. It is just the nature of our um, existence. And the warrior is, um, creates many shadows. So, Well, actually, the warrior doesn't create the shadows. We create the shadows when our hearts go into fear. So when our hearts are open and they stay open, the warrior energy can move through us and we can do whatever is being called for in the moment. But when our hearts close, when we go into fear and our hearts close, then we move into misuses of power. And no matter what our intent, if we approach acting on that intent intent from a closed heart, things will go askew. And that's the really important thing to understand is in spite of all the information out there that's telling you intent is all that matters, that's actually not the case and is one of the great teachings of warriorship 
is recognizing that if I approach whatever I'm approaching with a closed heart, my intent will be overrun by the shadow that is created by that closed heart. And so the the warrior energy, when it it's trying to move through us because the moment needs warriorship, and as the warrior energy tries to move through us and it hits our fears, the warrior energy creates shadow warrior. And shadow warrior with humans tends to manifest in four different ways. If you remember last week, the healer energy will manifest usually as either the martyr or the addict. The warrior energy, as it moves into shadow, will manifest as the rebel or the disciple or the victim or in invisibility. And these are four misuses of power. So let's back up a little bit and remind ourselves of something from earlier shows, which is that in shamanism, power is not power over. In our culture, in the American culture, Western culture, we've we've shortened our language and we just refer to power all the time and mostly what we're referring to generally as we're talking to each other is some kind of power over we're so used to misuse of power that it's simply begun to equate power in our minds and that's a very sad state of affairs from my perspective that that power from a shamanic perspective is mediated in the heart well, it's mediated in the courageous heart if we start to get more accurate here. And what power is from a shamanic perspective is love, is that essential root energy that manifests everything as we understand reality. That love energy moving through action in the world is power. And so power is mediated through the heart. And anything that's not moving through an open, clear, strong um, full heart is some kind of misuse of power. So as the heart slips into fear, power then becomes misused. We can't help it. It's the nature of things, which is why we need to cultivate a courageous heart. And I brought those Dan Millman, Dan Millman quotes in from The Way of the Peaceful Warrior because he really talks about how simply being a good person isn't enough. And I'm sorry. You know, I didn't invent the system. But it's not enough that we we do need to learn how to be here in a good way. And so that's what these four shows are about because they correlate with the teaching at Last Mass Center. And so the second year teaching is the warriorship year. And what we're asked to deal with in that work is looking at the when our open warrior heart goes into fear, it becomes closed, and we start manifesting these shadow expressions. So last week we actually got an email from Martin in Baltimore who asked, what do you mean by shadow? What What is shadow? And I mean this probably pretty close to a psychological description of shadow energy. But what we mean by shadow is, um, well, I'll back up and give the full definition. Okay, so from a shamanic perspective, as we're expressing ourselves, and we're all radiant beings, particularly when we're children, we express ourselves, and often the feedback that we get back from our self-expression is not necessarily positive. And so we learn first to begin to marginalize parts of ourselves, which is what that means is we learn to, to move an aspect of ourself out of the center to the margins of who we are. They're available to us, but they're not in the center anymore because they've been judged negatively in some way. 
And you all know, you all know your marginalized selves because the marginalized self is the part of yourself where, you know, you love to go out in the evening with Sue because when you're with Sue, that particular part of yourself comes out and you have such a good time. Or you love doing something with somebody else because when you're with that person, you, you feel intelligent or you feel, so these, these parts of yourself that come out when you're with a particular person are marginalized selves. And the reason they're coming out with that person is that person gives them permission to be present. So then the next thing that happens is we, we get harsher judgment, harsher experience as we express ourselves, and the judgment around some aspect our, of ourself is so severe that we go from simply marginalizing a part of ourself to shoving it all the way in the shadow closet and locking the door. So this means there's a part of ourself we have unconsciously chosen to deny any relationship with, and we shove them in the closet lock the door and get on with our life and try not to bring that part of ourself out. And then as the process goes on from a shamanic perspective, the next place of disconnection is when we're not only being judged harshly, but we're being threatened in some way, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, or physically, our life is being threatened, we might dissociate. And this is, from a shamanic perspective, a zone between the, our own energy and where we start to lose being effective kind of the dissociation zone. It's kind of a no man's land in between where we have the power to affect change on ourselves, and we start moving into a realm where we don't necessarily have that power anymore um, and, and, and thus need to call in help. And particularly, shamanic help is very effective at that point. If things get more extreme in terms of judgment or fear, we might have a soul. The part of ourself that is moving away may go all the way away, break out of our sphere of influence, and go out into the spirit world where they're essentially now outside of space and time. And that's what creates soul loss, which we talked about in the shamanic healing show several weeks ago. And so soul lost parts usually, most of the time, need someone who can travel into those realms to find them and bring them back. And so that's the bulk of my practice and primarily what I'm doing in New York right now is a lot of soul retrieval sessions for people. Um, and if you want one of those, you just email Christina at lastmesscenter.org and we'll schedule you. So back to the warrior, though. Okay, so that's how we create shadow, is we're expressing ourselves as we naturally feel called to in the world, and we get judged. We get shamed. We um, Dangerous things happen. We get scared for some reason or judge harshly that part of ourselves, and we shove that part in the shadow closet and we lock the door. And so that shadow closet is filled willy-nilly with all these amazing aspects of ourselves. Now, we can get them out any time because it's just a closet that's right behind us. It's there. We can let them out any time, but we don't. And so it's the fears and the judgment and the stories that we carry from the past that keep those energies in the shadow. So in the second workshop, dance of the shadow self while we're working with the warrior energy what we're tapping into is aspects of ourself that have shifted into rebel aspect of ourself so a rebel is basically a leader wanting to happen you know energy a person who has a relationship with their power but their courageous heart isn't all online yet and so they're not necessarily um, moving towards a collective good 
it's somewhat they're more identified with being an individual and being an outsider. The disciple is the kind of energy where you project your leadership or your power onto a supposedly perfect teacher. And then when they're not perfect because they're human, there's everything falls apart. And then you become very betrayed and angry. So there's a little story there with the disciple. The victim is familiar to most people, but it's, again, a misuse of power and projecting your authority onto someone else and allowing allowing that whole experience of dominance and subordination in the victim story. And then invisibility is basically staying in the background and supporting others and using their power, but not ever stepping out on your own. And so these are all ways of misusing power from the warrior perspective. And so part of what the warriorship is about is learning What opens my heart? When I notice that I've gone into fear, um, the behavior that we see when the open heart goes into fear is an addiction to the need to know. So when I'm addicted to the need to know, I'm not open to wisdom anymore. I need to know before I'm willing to do something. And the funniest example of this I have ever had is in, in intimate relationship, this man that I was dating said to me, We were at that stage where things needed to move forward, and we both understood that. My perspective was things needed to become a little bit emotionally more vulnerable for us to figure out who we each were and to come to know each other better. His perspective was, I'm not willing to become more vulnerable until I know you're going to marry me. And I was like, well, how do I know if I want to marry you if I don't know who you are? And so there was this addiction to the need to know that I would marry him before we could go explore who we were. And I just found that such a funny expression of this whole need-to-know addiction. And so that's what we're looking for with the warrior is what do I need to do in my life to open my heart so that I can open this part of the courageous heart up to the warrior energy and move forward in the world without abusing power. So the warrior is all about right use of power. So we're coming up into a break. And I want you all to remember that you're welcome to call in or email. And the email is christina at lastmasscenter.org. Thank you all for listening and more about the warrior when we come back. Welcome back, everyone. And thank you for joining me this afternoon as we talk about the wisdom of the warrior as an aspect of developing our courageous heart. Um, And I have a confession to make. It's sort of like when parents aren't supposed to admit it, but they actually have a favorite child. The workshop that we work on opening up our heart and connecting to the warrior energy in its true form, not its shadow form, is my favorite. Of everything that I teach and almost everything that I do, it is my favorite. It's right up there for me with soul retrieval work. I love this workshop, and there are two reasons. The first reason is it is absolutely delightful and ecstatic and joyful to watch what comes out of people's shadow closets. I mean, the best parts of ourselves are in that closet. Everyone's like, ooh, I don't want to do shadow work. It's too scary. But the truth of the matter is what we find in the shadow is our missing creativity. Um, That sensuality we used to have as a child that's gone far, far away. Our um, passion. Those of you that are wondering where your passion went, guess what? It's probably in the shadow closet. Our 
um, desire to to do well in the world and to live our truth that we had, like as a nine-year-old child, yep, in the shadow closet. The other thing, this is so strange to me, but the other thing that we always find in the shadow closet is humor, our ability to have a reasonable, decent, everyday, ordinary reality sense of humor and to stop taking ourselves so seriously. The, the juicy stuff that is living in your shadow closet is frankly the answer to most of your dreams right there in your shadow closet. So I always encourage people to do this work and to learn, to learn how to access the open heart and the wisdom of the inner warrior because it is your way in to the really the best, most beautiful, most creative, most ecstatic aspects of yourself. If you feel that somehow you arrived to your adulthood and don't actually have all that yummy stuff you had as a kid, it's probably because it's in your shadow closet. So I, I, I strongly encourage people to be willing to do this work because you have nothing uh, to lose. And absolutely everything that is joyful and sensual and um, life celebratory to gain by doing shadow work. I mean, the inner warrior work is directly, immediately, and enormously beneficial work to do. And once you've gotten over that, oh my God, shadow hurdle, that scary, I don't want to do my shadow work hurdle, everything else is downhill. It's really beautiful work. So anyway, that's why it's my favorite, because what arrives out in people's lives after that week we spend together is just so exquisite and so joyful and life is more fun and you know it's about time the other reason that i love that workshop is because the process is very simple and very elegant and we get to dance a lot and i like dancing i like the ecstatic dance i like people dancing into their true selves it's just a beautiful thing to watch and so for those two reasons it's my favorite and i'll admit it okay so moving along to the inner warrior. So as we talked about last week, each of these archetypal energies not only has shadow manifestations, but when we're in the energy of the heart, so with the warrior, when we're in the open heart, we have access to the life processes of the warrior. Each archetype um, sort of like guides or leads us through life processes. So if we don't have that archetype available to us because we either have an immature relationship or a weak relationship with it, we don't have that inner guide that helps us understand how to do that life process every time it arrives in life. And the thing about life processes is that they're, they're processes in life that just come up again and again and again. It's part of what it means to be human on this planet in this universe, and that's just the way that it is. So, again, I didn't invent the system. I'm just trying to figure out how to live in it in a good way and trying to help you to do the same. So, with the warrior, the life processes are the very first one, as you can imagine, everybody all together, learning to face your fears, learning to be in right relationship with fear as it rises up into your life, let it warn you that there's danger, and move forward anyway, and to not let fear rise up and make you afraid of the danger, afraid of your life, afraid of yourself, afraid of your passion and creativity, which is what happens with most people, is fear begets fear, and the next thing you know, we're having an anxiety attack. 
And so the inner warrior energy is the archetypal energy that once we bring it online in our life, it helps us face fear, to be in right relationship with fear, and come to truly understand that every single fear we have is an illusion. And through engaging in it in a good way with discipline and warriorship, we gain ourself in that process. That that illusion is there because there's something at the heart of that illusion that we need to reclaim for ourselves. So facing fears, if, if there was nothing else the warrior had to offer us, this one for us right now at this time in America is critical. You must be able to face the fears that are going on all around our lives right now and to see through what is illusory about them and make the steps necessary for um, manifesting your true authenticity and your true um, purpose and reason for being in this life. Um, I'm getting emails, and one of the emails here is from Malama, who is in California, who is saying here that she recognizes the truth of what's being said and that it's timely for her. So when do you conduct the training you're discussing today? Well, that is a good question. So um, the answer to that to everybody is that the most current information is on the calendar that is on the last Mask Center website. And right now, this particular workshop is not on the calendar, I'm sorry to say, but it could be if we knew y'all wanted it. So um, feel free to email me, christina at lastmasscenter.org, and keep your eye on the calendar, and we can see when and where it's going to be. Most of the workshops happen once a year, usually in the summertime. They're all week-long workshops, and you've got to bring your dancing shoes and your drums because they're they're a great celebration of life. Um, And there's another question, actually. This is coming in um, from Daniel, who is in Washington State. And he's saying that the emotion of fear can be substituted for and diverting from and preferred over and hiding any of the other emotions and interactions. Um, Can fear manifest in some emotional aspect that no longer looks like fear but has the same general result? Are there shamanic skills used um, in the same way to clear them? So... One of the beauties of this work of the courageous heart is recognizing that fear, not not necessarily so much that it masquerades itself as emotions. I mean, it does sort of, but that what we really notice when our heart goes into fear is addictive behavior. And in the warrior in particular, it's that addiction to the need to know. I need to know this before I can do that. And that keeps us from another life process of the warrior, which is the willingness to do whatever it takes the willingness to discern what is going on in the moment, which is life process number three, discernment, to face the fear, life process number one, and life process number two, to do whatever it takes um, to take action in the moment. And so what happens with fear is it tends to um, close the heart, but it also tends to make us afraid of what's going on. And so we start to move away from what's going on instead of stepping into it, instead of stepping into it far enough to begin to discern, to bring my intuitive faculties, my intelligence, my gut feeling into the moment and discern what is really going on here. Fear is an illusion. So what is really going on here? To face the fears that arise, which we need the inner warrior to help us to do that, 
and then ultimately to discern what is right action, what is right use of power in this moment. And most people's lives right now have a whole lot of fear going on, and what if you have the capacity to step in to those things going on in your life and say, what is right use of power in this moment? And to have a sense from within yourself, from the very core of your being, from your belly and your heart and your mind, that you knew the answer to that question. And then you could find from there, what are the actions then that I need to take to express that right use of power in the moment? And this brings us to the final life process of the warrior, which is critically important in the world today, which is transformation through love. And don't start singing kumbaya, okay? What transformation through love really means is it's that recognition that in this moment, transformation through death is not acceptable. It's not correct. It's not right action. Because remember from last week, transformation through death is the transformation of the healer. Transformation of the warrior is that willingness to hang in that relationship, hang in that situation, and understand from your courageous heart what actions need to be taken to transform the situation from enemy to ally. And so we're coming up on our last break, and we'll talk more about this in the next section, is what does it really take to transform things through love, not death? Thank you all for joining me this afternoon, and I will be with you in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. So in that little break, I was kind of sitting with Daniel's question about can fear manifest in some emotional aspect that no longer looks like fear? but has the same general result, and are there shamanic skills used to clear them? So I've just been sort of sitting with that and thinking about that and thinking about you know what we're, what we're talking about here and what does it mean to transform something through love versus death. And the thing that is really all this comes back around to and the energy of the courageous heart really comes back around to is if you are going to manifest spiritual warriorship in your life, by whatever path you're taking, you must accept that you cannot be an emotional coward. That warriorship, true spiritual warriorship, has to do with the willingness to feel your feelings honestly and courageously. And that it is through feeling our feelings that we can begin to sort out what is actually going on because feelings felt in the moment flow. And the, and the real skill of warriorship is to move into the feeling without diving in and becoming completely lost in the story and simply repeating things over and over and over and over again. But to be able to move in to the feeling, to feel it, to express from that place, to move from that place, to unfold what that emotion is really about. And this is a skill set that is critical in our last mass center work that we take, you know, several years to cultivate. It's not, it's not simple. Um, and so this is, this is the big work of the warrior is that the warrior is not about building strength. The warrior is about opening the heart to the wisdom that comes through experience. And the only way to truly experience what is going on is to feel it as well as understanding it and spiritually intuiting it and living it, you must feel. And that is the place, culturally, I believe we hold back the most, is in the willingness to feel 
and to truly express and to understand our emotions and to not indulge them, to not become addicted to them, but to begin to understand them as another voice, another wisdom in our body. And so what we gain through the warrior is connection to the wisdom of the emotional body. The healer gives us connection to the wisdom of the physical body. The warrior gives us connection to the wisdom of the emotional body. And we have another question here from a listener. Um, He says, when you speak of life processes, you spoke of the willingness to do whatever it takes. Isn't President Bush's war on terror, his dedication to go after the terrorists at all costs, even a reinterpretation of our country's laws, an example of a willingness to do whatever it takes? And I would say no. Not to be political, but I would say no, because the distinction here is the difference between the behavior of a child and the behavior of a warrior. And what I mean by that is children learn to survive at all cost. In other words, I will sacrifice my soul to keep peace in this family. I will sacrifice my soul to do this or that or the other thing. The willingness to do things at all cost is a child's desperate act to keep their life together. And that is a very different motivation than a warrior who's willing to do whatever it takes within the principles that are upheld by the community. And if the community upholds the principle that soul's purpose is essential and that our the coherency and wholeness of our soul is critical for every individual in our community to live their soul's purpose, therefore as a community, a nation or a world or whatever, a neighborhood, as a community, we must support the wholeness of people's souls. Then doing whatever it takes by lobbing off parts of your soul isn't acceptable. So the warrior has to be open to what's going on around them to be inspired creatively to how to do what needs to be done without sacrificing the values and the principles the community holds dear. So I would say very specifically what Bush did, particularly is doing it at all cost, is moving out of that child, that desperate child place, and bringing our country to a place where we were, at, where we were actually giving up things that we hold dear as the community of this country, of this nation. And so what Bush did is, is very much warrior totally in shadow. And what, what we would like to see is an understanding of warrior in an open heart and in a willingness to do what must be done, but to do it in a way that is not at all cost, not at the sacrifice of our liberties, not at the sacrifice of the things that we hold dear. And this is a challenge because our ancestors did not figure this out. And so we as contemporary people are challenged at this time to be creative and to feel our true feelings and to move forward with with what our true feelings are telling us to move out of this denial, to collapse these lies, to move forward in a way that we're saying my soul's purpose, my connection to my destiny, my understanding that I have innate value and worth, as does every other individual around me, is critical. This is our collective value. So how do we go forward and solve the challenges of today in a way that honors and respects the innate value in every living thing, not just people? There's a planet being destroyed here as well. And animals, plants, stuff. And so how do we go forward in a way 
that is in right relationship with all things? How does the warriorship within each one of us do what is necessary to get the job done, whatever that job is, in a way that honors all living things? Now, of course, if you have forces out there that aren't obviously aren't honoring all living things because they're blowing living things up, you know, something does have to be done. But the question is, how do we do this in a way that upholds our values, that upholds the, the values for all living things? And that is a huge question. I don't presume to have the answer. All I know is that this is an opportunity for transformation through love, not necessarily death. And that transformation through love requires that we are not emotional cowards. And culturally, we kind of are emotional cowards. And every single one of us listening today could make that one choice. How do I step up in my life, personally, in my the ins and outs of my day, to not be an emotional coward? How do I begin to access my spiritual warriorship? And, you know, short of coming and taking a workshop, there are some really good resources out there for this. In, in, in our work, the essence is show up and be present, align your words with your actions, honor your limits and boundaries. Don't agree to do things you do not have the energy and the resources to do. Um, that's honor your limits and boundaries. And the fourth one is honesty at all times with yourself and others. To do those four things, they're just four things, but to do those four things takes enormous emotional presence, emotional courage, and an openness of your heart. Another version is the Four Agreements by um, Don Miguel Ruiz. It's Toltec wisdom, very similar. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. All of these principles are principles of spiritual warriorship. Every single one of you listening could decide to pick some set of four principles and do your best over the next week to live them and see what happens in your life. And it's all ultimately about being willing to feel and becoming courageous in the heart. All right. So there we have the um, review, really, of the wisdom of the wise heart, the warrior, and the crazy logic that comes with doing the shadow work. And this is all part of um, looking at the cycle teachings and the courageous heart work um, that correlates with the emotional wisdom body. And this is probably the place where um, contemporary Western culture, particularly American culture, is most um, confused and ill-informed and misinformed and out of balance. And so coming to really understand how we engage the um, wisdom of our emotional body is absolutely critical. So the emotional wisdom body is a world in, into and un, in, unto itself is every bit as vast and complex and intricately interconnected as the mental wisdom body, but it functions on an entirely different logic. So a healthy emotional body is best visualized as water with all of its many manifestations and most importantly, its flow. But even the freezing is a wisdom being spoken to us from the emotional wisdom body. Um, how do we express the emotional wisdom body? Um, my most complete answer, again, 
is to join the cycle teachings because one of the great um, distorting forces of our ability to accurately access our emotional wisdom body is that much of that energy is being um, moved unconsciously through the shadow issues of our life. And so the um, what the cycle teachings are helping us to do in the service of engaging and understanding and interpreting our emotional wisdom body is helping us understand how to recover ourselves from the shadow. Um, so what if you aren't going to do that though? How, how could you begin to engage your emotional wisdom body? Well, the first would be to understand that um, our guides in engaging in the emotional wisdom body um, are the warrior. You know, emotional work, shadow work, deep personal uh, investigation is spiritual warriorship. And it is paralleled in the kind of courage that it takes to do literal, actual physical warriorship. And the other source of um, guidance in the wisdom of the emotional body is crazy woman, is the ability to track crazy logic in our lives. And so the important thing as people who are um, well-informed in the mental wisdom body to recognize is the logic of the emotional wisdom body is the most different from the logic of the mental wisdom body. Okay, so the true, the true code that guides us in our understanding of the emotional wisdom body is the warrior. This is true spiritual warship and it has to do with the willingness to feel your feelings honestly, courageously, fully, without editing, without judging, without censoring, but also without indulging. So it's the refuse, the refusal to be seduced either into the logic of denying your emotions or the um, seduction of indulging your emotions and churning in the drama and the what feels like the powerfulness of being caught up in the story. Feel, we feel so alive when we're awash in our emotions. However, what are we living? Okay, so to work with the wisdom of um, our feeling body is feeling things in a way that we can sort out what is actually going on and to really begin to understand um, a place of balance in our emotional body so we can feel its resonance with the truth and understand then what is really going on. So the true code of crazy woman, which is the other guide in understanding the wisdom of the emotional body is um, is the wisdom to recognize when we are in a moment of crazy logic and to follow its path without needing to know, without getting an explanation before we go, and without being able to secure a guarantee. And so that's uh, learning a kind of attitude with which we have to engage in following the path of our own crazy logic. So we not, need to not only recognize our own crazy logic, we need to be able to track it, catch that scent and track it, but there's also a particular attitude that keeps us on that path in spite of the fact that it defies all logic of the brain. Um, then the other aspect of this, um, what we learn from Crazy Woman in, in the, this sort of true code that teaches us about the logic of the emotional body is the ability to find the calm in the eye of the storm 
And so it's that when we get in really deep shit in our life, whether we've created it or whether it feels as if life has created it, that we're able to find that calm place in the center of it and still function. So um, the question then is, how do we begin to engage the wisdom of the emotional body? Um, so if you tend to deny your emotions, you tend to not know what you're feeling, not be engaged at all, I would suggest you set some kind of timer that you have on your person and set it for every hour, every 30 minutes, you know, regularly to go off throughout the day. And you just train yourself to ask, what am I feeling? And then once you tune into what you're feeling, where are you feeling it? And then just move on with your day. And the purpose of that for people who tend to have this habit of denying their emotions to just develop a new habit of being aware of what you're feeling in the moment um, and where in your body you're actually feeling those feelings. Um, So this is very important for people who have a tendency to shut down emotionally as well. Now, on the other hand, some of you tend to emotionally overindulge and cycle in the story of the emotions and get yourself amped up into an emotional stress ball or you grind yourself down into depression. Um, and the important thing a person like that could do to begin to access the wisdom of the emotional body is to visualize your emotions as water whatever emotions you're feeling instead of staying in the story of it so-and-so did this and then they did that and they really meant this and blah, 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 blah. Get out of that and just visualize the whole thing as water. I mean, are you caught in, you know, the water grinder of being caught in the strike zone of a bunch of waves? Are you in the turmoil of rapids? Are you drowning in deep water? You know, what, what does the water look like? What do these emotions look like? How do you feel in that water? And then, um, create a path with your breath and your imagination to get that water to flow until it comes to a place that is deep and still like um, like a deep place in a river where it appears to be still but it's still flowing and so to work with a visualization to bring yourself out of the excess of that emotional state and come to a place where there are a great emotions there it's deep water but there's a stillness which allows you begin to now find the eye in that storm and begin to work with it could also take the clearing class the actual energy clearing class is a really powerful way to you be able to get um, into the wisdom of your emotional body that that's what i did it it is the most powerful um, skill in my life in addition to journeying and it's because it's the one that helped me gain access to the wisdom of my emotional body and that class will be offered in April here in Portland you can register on the lastmaskcenter.org website if you choose to um, and also dance practices um, or something that is physical and gets your blood moving and your body moving can be a way to help people um, access the feelings in their body that feel overwhelming and begin to move them through the dance and thus be able to come into a dialogue with them that's not so um, over overly expressed it also can work for people that tend to deny their emotions because they can um, 
sort of be in their emotions in the safe space of the of the dance of the movement um, and not really have to necessarily engage yet with other people and express those emotions but they can just learn to feel their emotions um, and express the emotions through movement it's a great way to begin to connect um, and so as you learn to engage with your emotional body and if you choose to take the step to learn to clear emotions so that you can come into a balanced and healthy relationship with your emotions which I strongly encourage that people do you will ultimately come across three things that you will not be able to clear but they are things that do bring us into deeply emotional places and you just need to use other means by which to heal them and that would be soul loss so you need to find a shamanic healer for soul retrieval unresolved ancestral energies again find a shamanic healer and you could be tapping into shadow unresolved shadow self issues and if that's the case you need to find some way to either learn to work with shadow selves or ask a shamanic healer who works with shadow selves Okay, so I'd like to move on to the visualization that we started last week about tapping, beginning to engage the wisdom of your physical body. So today, let's move on to engaging the wisdom of the emotional body. So with this little visualization series, we just, um, last week, we found ourselves moving our little ball of consciousness from the root chakra and the wisdom of the physical body up into the garden. And so as you're working on your visualization in the garden of your second chakra, these are the qualities in the second chakra and in your garden that you would be visualizing and working in your own um, symbolic language, that which really gets some traction for you in your energy and in your awareness. Okay, so in your garden... You would be um, working with the energies and the symbolic language in your second chakra to make sure that your garden has boundaries all the way around, that the boundaries have a gate in the front, and that the gate has a gatekeeper that is a being that you're in good relationship with. It's an aspect of yourself, but it's a gatekeeper there. It's important that the fountain that is effectively in the center of the garden, that the water is flowing that it is not excessive water it's not a scarcity of water there's exactly the right amount of the water in your garden you're also looking for an area that is cultivated and in a sense um, part of your emotional body that is available to engage with others that's what the cultivated part of your garden is showing you and then there should be what would be sort of the back part of the garden that is wild and uncultivated and unruly and I'm definitely following the power of crazy logic and that's your private garden that these are the emotions that are about your own deep most intimate inner relationship and um What's important then in your garden is to move through the garden, the cultivated area, the wild area, around the boundary, just all around, and look for areas that are expressions of excess or scarcity, and then explore why um, are these issues of um, not enough nourishment in the soil, is there too much water, too much sun, not enough of either, and what what do these... Um, aspects of the garden and the symbolism of the garden what do they relate to in your life so 
for example, not enough water could relate to not allowing your emotions to flow readily enough. Not enough sun could have to do with not bringing in, not spending enough time in the activities in your life that um, light up your heart and um, bring that kind of warmth and well-being into your life. Um, So again, the point is you need to be learning your own symbolic language. But the garden is a beautiful metaphor for everyone around the emotional body. Um, And if you don't know what something means, ask the garden. And if the garden can't ask you, ask your gatekeeper. And these are need to become essentially voices that you can connect with in your own inner visualization. But the important thing is to learn that this this fundamental act of the courageous heart and the, the and the wisdom of the emotional body supports the courageous heart. The fundamental act is the transformation of anything through love. Um, and we must not be emotional cowards. We must live in alignment with the beliefs and principles that have value and meaning in our hearts. So I want to give thanks to the ancestral spirits that hold us well, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. And I also want to give gratitude to those who donate to the show so that we can keep shamanism, Why Shamanism Now alive and on the air and in the archives for people to connect with. So I give thanks to Laura, Kaimet, Michael, Adrian, Michelle, Richard, and all the listeners who are able to donate financially. And I am also equally grateful for those of you who are doing other things to use the teachings and help the show to grow in other ways. Thank you, everyone, for listening.